Roseville, Minnesota is just fucked. When your lunch spot is Wendy's. <sighs> so it improved a little bit. You know, there's a Portillo's that's close now. Oh, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say, say whoa. that again, but slower. <laughs> yeah, a lot slower. What did you I'm, just fucking say? I'm going to try to get a little bit of ASMR and sultriness in this. There's a Portillo's that's close to the Roseville Game Center now. Wait, are you? Okay, hold on. That's not going to if CTZ's there. That's not going to be the only thing. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I just, I just flashed some nips on this Zoom call, so that (laughs) can go directly into the podcast. Do not edit that out. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to the Thirst Cast. That's the. Are you? Are you fucking serious? Yeah, I'm a hundred percent, man. Yeah, there's a Portillo's like three minutes away from the center now. Three minutes by car. Three minutes by walking. I don't three minutes by car. It could be three minutes by me riding the back of a toothbrush that I clean the ground with between the game center and the Portillo's because I will do that to get Portillo's. At least you'll leave a nice breadcrumb path. Clean sidewalk. Woo! Wow. The thing, you have, the thing you have to understand is that CTC is trapped in Kinawa country. We're like, Portillo's is a myth. It's pronounced Kinawa. Um, Kinawa. Yeah. Fucking read a dictionary. Anyways, this is so devastating to my entire day. I had a plan. I had things to do. This shit is over now. <sighs> every minute of every day until OTG looking at the Portillo's menu. Just oh, waiting no, but you, okay, first off, that is such a dick slap because you don't think I have the menu memorized? What are you, a you child? Your order? What's your order? Oh, easy. Big beef, extra hot, large fry, slice of chocolate cake. Get the fuck out. We're done. Next question. That is the stupidest oh, oh. thing I've been asked in nearly six years. That's almost the perfect order. I'm going to do you one better. Big beef. Extra hot peppers, large fry, cup of cheese sauce, and the drink is a cake shake. Oh, the cake shake is a good move. Okay, I'll say this. Okay, I respect your incorrectness. There's two types. You can't shade the shake and you can't shade the slice. You choose one. That's the thing. We have to have morals here. And you know what? Keep it cool. You can choose one of the two. But we can agree to disagree. I still think that you're incorrect, but we can walk away friends. This is really good, though, and I'm sure that everyone listening has no idea about the shake versus slice debacle, but you can start to do some internet research. I'll respect the other side of the aisle. I just believe that the gentleman from California is incorrect. Uh, I'm from Chicago, so you can watch your fucking mouth. Hello, and welcome back to the Sums Cast. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Orbital Tangent, the Dana White of Netrunner, and still Netrunner's okayest player. If you're new here, I honestly don't know why you clicked on this episode as your first experience, but uh, eh, whatever. I can't promise it'll be good, but it might be okay. You should know that this podcast is about trying and spectacularly failing to be good at Netrunner. This podcast will not make you better at Netrunner. Unfortunately, I regret to inform you that this podcast will also not make you a better person. We don't have our pants on today. That's right. We're pantsless. The intro question then is how can we fill the hole exposed without pants? What can we stick in there that will satisfy us? Well, we went to you, the people, and uh, you know what? Who am I kidding? That's not, that's not true at all. I absolutely didn't do that. I made a call. And, uh, you know, probably a terrible one. What follows is probably going to be a shit show. Today, I have some characters on. Bringers of that swag, that BSE, that big slums energy. First up, 
He makes bad deck building decisions for your edutainment, a lover of hot netrunner and cool jams. It's the three-letter gentleman himself, Mr. C.T. motherfucking Z. Social studies. Okay, interesting. Moving on. Wait, there's more. He's got a beard that won't quit. All the posts he makes are shit. He's bold, he's gold, and he just cannot be told. Shoutouts to Cranked. What up? I'm Cranked. I'm 29, and I never fucking learned how to play runner. Hey, wait. We're not done yet, though. He, well, you know what? I still don't know anything about him. I guess he won a tournament or whatever and placed high in a continental or something. Anyway, you know, Ronji Doge is on here, too. I choose business ethics. Okay, I don't know what the fuck that was. Well, gentlemen, how the fuck are you doing? All I'm going to say is Polly G is running hot on the mic, is playing that frustrating NBN, NB Kelly, Hot Spice, and the view is nice. That's it. That's me. That's my status check-in. Museum's still banned, so this meta fucking sucks. Next question. Can't disagree. What about you uh, there, Ian? Good shit. Good shit. It's a Saturday. How can you be sad? A lot of reasons, but... No, it's good. Yeah, it's really good to set yourself up and shoot yourself down. That's what this stream is all about. <laughs> it's asking rhetorical questions and immediately pointing out that they're wrong. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> so anyway, I want to just get right into it off the jump. We're going to go ahead and talk about predictions for OTG. We're going to talk about predictions for Roseville. We're going to talk about tournaments. We're going to talk about Netrunner, the current meta, all that happy fun stuff. I do want to begin with a classic segment of ours near and dear to my heart we do this one pretty frequently and it's going to be a walkthrough of uh, some of our memories from tournaments past that's right it's akamatsu mem chip i'll take harshware for 400 alex absolutely this week on Akamatsu Mem Chip, before we go into the current meta and we go into our predictions of how these next big tournaments are going to shake out, I just want to go over tournament memories. What specifically gets you going to tournaments? And do you have any favorite tournament memories or any favorite triumphs in tournaments past? CTZ, why don't we start up top with you? So I think the greatest tournament experience for me was Gen Con 2016 through every single lens in terms of what the meta was actually doing, who went, the scale of the event, my performance, who went with me, blah, 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 blah. I would bury some bodies to be able to go back to 2016, like multiple. We're, we're talking two to four. So in terms of my performance there, I had to dig real fucking deep. I've never done as much math as I've ever done that tournament because on day two, I had to win out to then have a coin flip. And I did. And then on a Gen Con, the whole thing, 200 and whatever fucking nerds, your boy bubbled because that's what I do. And everyone above me ID'd like a bunch of fucking children. I didn't ID a single time because I had to, again, repeat, win out. In any case, other than that, my favorite moment from that tournament was my final game of the whole tournament, final turn. TLDR, one in five HQ, future perfect. I accessed it four times that turn. I lost three side games and I oh, won no. one. No, I won. I won the last click oh, last time. Okay. Okay. So okay. Whatever one out of five times 
side game math, aggregate, min, max, average floor ceiling, whatever that statistic is, that happens. So get fucked. Cool. 33.33 repeating. 33.33333. Yeah. We don't round up here. That's no. just to say what the number is. I mean, that's, that's a lot better than we usually do. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's Holmes cast also there. noted bad at math. But in any case, that was my peak tournament experience period. Everyone from everywhere was there. It was super tight. The meta was actually very diverse in the, the top quadrant. And I lost both games to Dan Argenio. That's what I lost in the Swiss. So fuck that guy. That's it. I love Dan. Also, you can't be too salty at that, you know, because Dan at that time also coming off being one of the best players in the world. So was still the best player in the world, I think, Definitely. by almost every metric at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Like absolute <laughs> yeah. absolute world beater. <laughs> yeah. I think he brought CI7 as a meme, didn't he? I don't think it was a meme. I think that was dead serious because like he was the first one to realize the ice suite of Paperwall Mother Goddess and no one was prepped for that. Oh, like, okay. that was yeah, that yeah. was not a joke of a deck. Like it was the real deal. And the only reason he missed out on cut was because Dean found the one out that he had against CI7. It's the Haiti Shard GIF. There was a CI7 puzzle thread on Stimhack for the longest time. I think somebody did figure out a hundred percent line that Dan could have taken that would have been like credit perfect or something like that. Yeah, it was probably some fucking math major. Yeah, I mean yeah, probably. A, <laughs> a puzzle thread? It's a jail sentence. I don't like that shit at yeah. all. I'm sure it's there's almost, plenty of nerds that like that, but... No. That's almost like reading the card, and for that, we might have to cut the feed. Please, please, let me get my combo and lines off. Please, my lord, please. So, anyway... The only thing I remember about 2016, other than just chilling, was Spags telling us at King of Servers how terrible all of us are because Redacted. his team won while he was on acid. I only bring that up because it just reminded me of that scene in Shoot 'em Up where dude fucking like takes the zip line down the fucking like stairwell and he's shooting everybody in a circle. The main villain, after dude runs out of the building, goes... Oh my God, is he really that good? Or we just suck that much. The amount of times you feel that, uh, what is it, rite of passage? Yeah. Whatever it is in those RPG games. You don't yeah. even want me to say what I think of rite of passage. I'm trying to do a different thing. That would be fun. It's a different, it's a different subject. It's a different subject. It's a hot subject. Don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Ian, what is your favorite tournament experience? Do you remember Absolutely. the Absolutely. My favorite, my absolute favorite recent tournament experience was my alarm goes off, startle awake. I'm bleary-eyed. I pick up my phone. I see that I'm paired with Motion Blur, and I message him on Discord, and I say, can we please ID? And Motion Blur says yes, and I am so grateful. I, I didn't send a heart emoji, but my finger was over the heart emoji. And then I just dropped right back into a blissful, peaceful sleep. And that You was sent the eggplant instead. Don't yeah. lie. I mean, it, the body has certain responses that it does when it's coming out of REM sleep. It just is what it is. But yeah, no, getting that ID and being able to go back to sleep was by far my favorite. Because never, whatever. But sleeping, priceless. Damn. One might say your body rose to the occasion. There Do you think go. we'll ever invent the capability to play Netrunner while sleeping? Oh, easy. Watch this. Okay, are you ready? <clears throat> okay, hold on. Sorry. Let me this get is going to work me. real well in a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I place seamless launch. 
I put on my robe and wizard's hat and deal six damage with breached domes and shocks. All right, there you go. That's it. Call an IG boring? No. Just the hell week that was the two week period where you could do dome shock. Just that one. Everything else. Yeah, everything else. Love it. That one. I mean, that's every day now because you could play that in Eternal. You could play six shock IG in Eternal right now. I don't even know that that's the best deck, though. It's not. It's it is absolutely low. not. I learned something recently about the Eternal meta, which actually speaks to the power of this deck. Blame Changer is actually competitive in Eternal. Yeah, not hmm. too many people are on Clod. I mean, you could just Butcher Shot. You kill people faster with Butcher Shot, probably. That's fair, but Blame Changer is just so fucking fast that you can, some instances, score out before they can put enough threats on the board for you to even care about. And it doesn't even matter how powerful the threats are. The one thing that fucks it over, which is what I think you should be on a little bit in internal, your deck doesn't have to be focused on the card, but you should be like DLR or Noise. You should have a way to disrupt the R&D like that. Because it's just like CI7, where it's if you can get the right pieces through the slot machine, there's just not a whole lot that they can do. The only really tight Eternal deck that I've seen so far, I believe Austin was on this for US Nats for the side event, was an outfit deck where the goal was to score Profiteering on like turn two. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, Profiteering in the outfit is pretty good. (laughs) Seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Hey, guys, it's a beating. Cut the feed. All right, so we got one more here. Cranked, what's your favorite tournament member here? entire year 2018 for the most part because on a purely selfish level it was like the one time where i felt like i was really ahead of the meta and i was actually playing really well i was probably playing the best netrunner of my life i took down three out of four store champs in wisconsin and then that regional season 2018 was super tight specifically the roseville minnesota regional that was the tournament where anti brought museum eh its final form before the museum banning so myself, Spags, Andres, and Lucas Bergen all played that deck. Five rounds of Swiss plus cut. We lost a grand total of three games between the four of us. And they were, I think, all to each other. <laughs> I publish it as the Rage Quit Machine's Last Ride. This is the one with a 1x Malia. I love Malia. Which was so hot because the meta was Clan Vengeance Val. Oh, God. So yeah, that feels good. Yeah, that it was, it was amazing. But yeah, that deck was so tight. That tournament was amazing. Watching Andres score two naked SSL endorsements against Whiteblade in grand finals was an all-timer. Just an all-time banger. <laughs> I will note that Slumscast has a more in-depth dive on that particular deck. If you look for our episode on the rise of Janelle Monet With some fuckface. The old tie back. Dang. That's good podcasting professional behavior. Very good. Supplement the feed. So I'm going to tie it back even further because one of my favorite memories also comes from that same tournament. It's not that I was, you know, top in the Swiss, which I was, but it's actually Spags was playing against Joe and it was (laughs) your classic. Yep. You know where I'm going. Yeah. But it was your classic matchup of CV Val versus CI, the yeah. combo with Moons and, yeah, Rococo and all that. Rococo's Basilisk. Yeah, that one. 
And I say classic like that matchup is good. It's it's not. It's terrible. It fucking sucks. It's awful, Netrunner. But anyway, Spags gets in a dominant position right away because Joe's making some play mistakes. And Spags is like, come on, man. No, you cracked the moons before I installed the pole up to draw the cards and get the credits. It doesn't matter that it only has a couple of counters. I'm going to trash it anyway. So you want to get the shit. And he's kind of browbeating Joe about how he's making these play mistakes. And so... Again, he gets into a dominant position, and then he starts to run R&D. It's a single access, and then he gets Joe to show him the card below it, and then he keeps accessing the deck. And Joe's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he knocks over half the deck, and he's like, oops, judge. And no, so he it's, calls- it's worse. He told Joe, you should probably call a judge for that. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so they call a judge over, and unfortunately, it's one of my friends, and I don't want to name names, but he goes, I guess, like, shuffle the deck. Spags like just had to look him dead in the eye. And go, no, dude, no, it's a game loss. No, <laughs> but oh. yeah, he uh, rather than concede right away, which is what he wanted to do to Joe, because this was before Joe was King Joe. This was before he won Worlds. He wanted Joe to take down an event. See, that's why that's one of my favorite tournament memories. Is because as much as Spags wants to play the heel, he's actually a pretty hard of cold dude. Don't tell him I said that. Edit it out. What? TV guy? We can't, we can't edit audio. Oh, what we can do is cut the feed. It's been cut. It's been cut. It's been cut hard. <laughs> Real fucking hard. I think we had a second prompt question, a second prompt feeling, a second prompt emotion. Do you have some clarity for us? Well, the second prompt in this was, what makes you want to go to tournaments? What is the big draw here? Now, I know... Personally, I've played in like shitty metas, but I've still gone to tournaments in those. And I still did some online stuff, even though online Netrunner sucks. But what makes you do it? Yeah, no, the people. I mean, like you go to see your friends, you go to see people, you go to like meet up with people. And I guess maybe this is like a very Corona response, but like, fuck, I miss people. It's great to see people in these tournaments. And even when it's online, you know, talking to people in between rounds, sharing plays, talking about misplays. Also, the winning, though. Winning is good, too. Winning is probably the reason to go to tournaments, because winning feels good. Losing feels bad. So go to see people, and then if they don't make you feel good enough, win. And then if you lose, just say that the people made you feel good enough. If anyone tells you that they go to tournaments for only the people, and that's really not about Netrunner at all, it's because they haven't won anything ever. I've motherfucking won some stuff. I've majored in skateboard kickflips technology, TM. So, And even I, it's definitely about the people. Winning feels good. Case closed. It's fucking good. Also, if you just pull off that kickflip, that's where you got to change the definition of winning. Because if you make the other person like worry or like think about strategy or read cards or figure out like, oh, okay, like turn X into turn Y into turn Z, I have won. I think this counts going to tournaments with a team is really fun. I really loved going to tournaments with the anti-boy, with the team deck. Because then there's like an extra sense of camaraderie. It's one thing to go to a tournament by yourself or like with a deck that you've cooked up. Like that's cool. But having the team is something I really enjoy. There's nothing better than having us, the anti-gentlemen from Wisconsin, go south of the border to Illinois to fucking own their regional for another year in a row. God, that feels good. God, that feels good. Shout out to Dane Stevens. Shout out to Dane Stevens. God damn, Wisconsin has owned the Chicagoland meta for six years now. I mean, but the thing is, is I'll say this. I'll write this down. You can quote me on this. Dane Stevens, 
Dane's an all-time great guy. Love Dane. I'm jealous of a few people on this planet. It's unfortunate because there's one in this call. I'll let you fucking decide who it is. That was a good tactic. Wasn't that a good little mini game that you three fuckers were going to have to figure out over the next two hours of your existence? Dane Stevens. What a fucking mad scientist. That's this is on Dane Seasons. I've mad never, I have never seen somebody get more angry at Netrunner than Dane Stevens. <laughs> Dane, I'll tell you the thing that Dane hates more than anything else, randomness. <laughs> I have watched Why does he Dane, play a card game? <laughs> I have watched Dane do laps around pastimes in Niles, Illinois, because he accessed a 1x snare with two cards in his hand. This man should play chess. I have watched the past times employees being like, bro, you got to calm down. <laughs> Damn. Living legend, mad scientist. It also feels good to have a vice grip on the Chicago land tournament scene because they're all obsessed with playing pot smoking shaper decks and doing skateboard tricks instead of like actually, you know, winning the game, which is the point of the game. Who's was that football coach uh, from the Jets? The, you play to win the game. Herm Edwards. It is Herm Edwards. You're right. And <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, more than just the people, though, it's always the aftertime. Paul Lend over here briefly touched on it. The in-between rounds is good, but that is the appetizer for the true orgy that happens after. I mean, if you're getting fucked up in a Panera Bread, if you're taking shady videos in the parking lot of a mini mall, if you're going to a place of snacks and boys and or trying to go to a place of snacks and boys and it fails... The adventure unravels over many meticulous hours post-haste. If you go to a city, a city of York, perhaps a new edition of this, and you go to backyard bars and you observe the landscape and you see, please don't smoke jazz cigarettes, por favor, and everyone ignores that shit, that's real camaraderie. When you make fun of chess with a group of 12 humans, that's real camaraderie where you shit on the color purple. That's real camaraderie. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about is about the post tournament orgy. I got a hundred percent agree here. And my answer was going to be basically similar to the rest of you guys, which is, you know, the people. Cut the feed. But we just cut, cut the feed. Cut the feed. God damn it. I'm going to shove this in anyway. To be fair, Craig, you're right. I haven't won anything, but I have been the top of Swiss more times than is reasonable for a person that has never taken down a tournament. You're like the meme of the guy on the uh, the stands at the end of the tournament celebrating and then it pans back and he's third place. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. I just can't take one of these fuckers down. The closest I came was your tournament in Madison, but King I was Joe. one turn away. Yeah. If I would have just run archives instead of fucking HQ. All I'm going to say is, it, is in that tournament, I spent 10 influence on two cards and was top four. That's all you need to know. Actually, I won that tournament. I think if you read my deck list right up and a couple others. That's like, true. <laughs> you, you won that tournament. I think Spags won that tournament. Joe won that tournament. Joe won the tournament. You go, you were really close. I think you were like, I got close. Really tight. Yeah. You were like, we had a really tight. Yeah, like, I was, I was bubble boy. It sucks, yeah. but someone had to be the bubble boy. Yeah. I think you were only bubble boy because we did an ID. We two for one instead. And I, <laughs> I took you we, down. <laughs> I, that, was, uh, that was loss number four of my of my two for ones. Yeah. After that, I was zero and four. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. As a serious answer to this, beyond the people, because you, you all are right. That's part of why I do it. But I like going for two things. Touching on what cracked. Uh, I I was about to say cracked. Damn. Ooh, 
I'm sorry. Cranked. What Crank said. I love that team aspect when you go with a testing team or you go with your metamates. And it doesn't matter how good you do, you get to share in their victories. This whole thing about like we tested this deck together and we're running the same deck or maybe it's only a couple of cards off and we figured out the meta and then we took it down essentially. Even though they took it down, it feels like a we because you put in that work with them. And I love that aspect of coming with friends because you can really celebrate together, which is awesome. And then I love also going to tournaments for like personal bests and just seeing, can I eke out a positive win rate on this tournament? Because I had an even one on the last one and just challenging yourself, not even really about taking down the whole thing, just getting those extra couple of victories or that doing that extra little bit better, I think is really fun and interesting. What you're embodying there is you love saying, watch this JPEG. That's it. No, I'm not a pot smoking shaper. That's all right, though. The JPEG or a, a, a GIF, a BMP, whatever you want to do. You got to name it, call it in the air and execute on it. And that's fucking sick. What if the real JPEG was inside you the whole time? What if it was just a shitty PDF the whole time? Can you imagine that shit? You're thinking you're like, oh, man, I got this fucking sick ass JPEG. And this is a PDF at the end of the day. You can't even edit. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, so speaking of pot smoking, speaking of skateboard tricks, speaking of fuck shaper. It's on to our next segment, and that's going to be Shaper. So as always, in the Fuck Shaper segment, we're going to talk about something that's been going on in the community here. We're going to be talking about something that your boy, the three-lettered idiot, has been working on, CTZ. He's been creating this set called Roseville 2. Roseville 2. Two. Return to Roseville. Return to Roseville. CTZ, do you want to tell the people what that's all about and what's going to go down September 11th in Roseville with that? Yeah. And do you have any predictions for how this Hypercube meta is going to shake out? My ass has been prepared for this my entire life. So first off, small correction. As much as I have been working on this, we got to zoom out. Yeah, zoom out to zoom in. Everyone has been working on this. So the Roseville draft series, which is now two parts, we're going to shoot for the Godfather 3 next year, but we're not there yet. Calm down. Calm your tatas. Is a draft supplement to the Hypercube. If you don't know what Hypercube is, TLDR, take all the actually good cards from Netrunner and put them in a cube. And that's it. With no restrictions, when you draft a card, you get a full place out of it, blah, blah, blah. We've made these draft sets along with everyone on Twitch. And they're all of the sets are tested by Twitch, QA'd by Twitch, iterated on, discussed. It's a heavy development process, but it's a community thing. Everything from art, lore, mechanics, refinement, V1, 2, 3, 4, 5, everything. It's all done on the stream. And so for the first time ever, we're playing Roseville 2 in person with real physical cards. I've had them printed from the country of China, hand-delivered to my home address in San Francisco via FedEx, Supreme Fast Go Mode. The cards are looking fresh, wonderful. In conjunction with the OTG event, we're going to be running about five or six Roseville drafts. So if you are put to sleep by Seamless Launch, 
if you are upset that Builder of Nations is still in the card pool, if you don't quite understand why Rashida is still here, you have a place. You've been identified and you can come hang out with us executing on the Roseville draft. And simply put, there's only one card that will define the Roseville meta. And I'm going to spoil it on stream here. Exclusive. Exclusive. And the thing is, is really the majority of this Zoom call is responsible for this card. And it will be the meta. So blame this group of humans. Unfortunately, it is in the pot smoking shaper faction. It is, a, it is a three cost run event called holographic run. Preface, limit one per deck. I already hate this. Preface two, play only if you have one click. Card text, end bracket. Run any server. At the start of the run, Draw 15 cards and gain five credits. You may play or install any cards before encountering your first ice. You may not declare any new runs for the remainder of the turn. If you do not steal an agenda and win the game before this run is over, you lose. It's a zero influence card. It's card 99 in the set. That's it. Crank, what is your business OKR analysis and deployment strategy of integrating Holographic Run into the Roseville community. Can you give us a three-sentence breakdown? Uh, step one is to draft it. Step two is cast it. Step three is fuck up and lose the game with it. No, you had it. Draft it, cast it, blast it. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Ian, with the correct answer. Ding, 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 oh, ding, 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 ding. Game over. One way or the other. You're playing a boring scheme. grinder deck. Just end the game on your terms. It's like suicide. Scheme was choice. Rhyme schemes for fucking pussies. All right. I have a degree in poetry. Don't fuck with me on this. <laughs> the only people that say rhyme schemes are for pussies are people that haven't won anything. Now fuck that. Like get out of here with your meter. What are you gonna do? Like iambic <laughs> pentameter me? Fuck that. <laughs> you don't have a cue, go. All right. You know, I limerick think... me to death. That's my new Smurf, iambic pentameter. I'm going to have to meme it up a little bit, but thank you. Oh, Smurf's damn. up. Smurf's up. Blockbuster Hideo. Chuckles Cheese. Ah, uh, damn, I've had some fucking bangers as a play. But anyways, holographic run. You've heard it reviewed by the crew. That's going to dominate the meta. If you do not pick one, that card. I... So, Cortez, my memory from the stream is that there's a number of cards... I don't remember if they were just submitted or if they actually got approved by the committee that have the words, you win the game or you lose the game on them. <laughs> like, I remember that being a decently popular theme when spitballing a few of these cards. Oh, that, that is interesting. You know, listen, game recognizes game. And if you thought I only had one exclusive prize that would be perhaps meta-defining, you were wrong. Give me one sec while I dig through the archives here, but I do have the exact terminology you're looking for. And really, if you're a true lore grimoire reader, you've retained this in your memory banks. But if not, if you're one of those newer viewers or listeners to the podcast, however, you're going to sensory overload yourself with this content. Here is the second and final exclusive spoiler. <sighs> a moment of silence. This comes from atop the mountain spoken by King Joe himself. The name is account siphon space underscore hyphen under underscore hyphen 2.1.
It is of the inside job faction. Event, random and run. Dane can't win them all, but he'll be upset about half that card. That's okay. That's okay. Preface, limit one per deck. Card text, end bracket. Make a run on HQ. If successful, roll a D6. If a one or two is rolled, the corporation loses four credits. The runner gains two credits for each credit lost and gains two tags. Are you with me so far? I think I've got it, yes. Okay. If you roll a three or a four, the corporation loses three credits. The runner gains four credits for each credit lost and gains two tags. Okay. Simple evolution, just different food group. It's not a big deal. Five to six. The corporation loses two credits. The runner gains one credit for each credit lost. Not a big deal. Start a side game choosing zero or one. If these values are different amongst the corp and runner, the runner wins the game. That's it. There is a supplemental card called Account Siphon 2.11 that will not be spoiled on this stream, but I will tell you this. If you are heading to the OTG event and looking to play this card, I would highly, highly, highly suggest you peruse your selection of pot-smoking zero-cost fractors and bring them with you should you draft not only the Account Siphon 2.1, but Account Siphon 2.11. That is the end of the previous. Doof is I just, have a question. It's flat better, right? You oh. pay an extra clip, but you don't take tags. It's five. Five is more than four, is more than three, is more than two. GG. You play Doof. You play Doof over original Account Siphon. No thank you tags. I put Doofs in my corp deck. You do? Yeah. Just game lost the shit out of myself. Instead no, of make issues, see. Hope they don't. No, 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 no. Make your opponent game loss you. Yeah. yeah if they don't yeah. call a judge, you see. God damn, you don't even know how to play your own deck. This is why you test stuff with people. Mm-hmm. Listen, I get what Ian's doing because if you put doofs in your corp deck, you get to say, "No, no, runner, you didn't win. I lost. Yep. You didn't win though. Forty-six doofs yeah. and three government takeovers. What are you yeah. gonna do? Oh, Unbeatable. one modification. I mean, Joshua, you need to give your competitive analysis. Okay, so Lemma. Ian says Doof is better than Account Siphon 2.1. A reasonable take. With the tag limitation, I can understand. No memeing. Definitely not memeing. No, 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 no. Here's my side of the story. You might be wondering how we got here. Account Siphon 2.1 gives the runner tags, right? And you're subtracting your own money as the corporation. You're going to zero. You're denying the runner credits. But you're still giving them tags, which was a crux of your argument. But now... Oh, oh damn, did Nisei make some spells? Did Nisei make some zero-cost spells? Did Nisei make some zero-cost spells that operate off of the runner being tagged in straight tempo gas that I could then turn into a two-card combo? Oh, these are the questions I ask myself, and you should too. Lemma. So I will say these misplays with not making the opponent game loss. That's why, as far as to my knowledge, Ian's never won anything. I don't think I've ever really played Network. It's always been just a automaton, just making the decisions for me, just slamming the draw button over and over until you lose. So I do have a question on Account Siphon 2.1. 2.1 or 2.11? Well, both. And my question is perfection. Well said. Perfection. I agree. That's an opinion for sure. That's all I can. Oh, really oh, sorry, sorry. Perfection. Um, I mean, it was no account siphon two dot one as printed could not be perfection because the fact that we had to split it up 
into a two-piece case study really speaks to how imperfect it actually was. Because if it was truly an elegant solution, it would have been one card, but it was actually such a clusterfuck is really the only way to describe it. We had to de-escalate the situation. Yeah. Are you sure that this is not like most software updating where the new version is actually worse? I mean, you said that the new version might involve something Shaper related. That can't be true because the card's name is not Microsoft Account Siphon 2.1. So there's no way it could possibly be worse. They're in talks to buy it. They're thinking about it. They're running through the numbers. But I'll say this is the last Roseville spoiler. This is going to be really fucked up. It's going to test the strength of the draft pool. If you are trying to qualitatively and quantitatively determine the strength of those that you're drafting with, this is the ultimate test. There are three wild cards in this draft with nothing printed on them. You have five seconds to write the card when you see it and pick it. Here's the caveat, though. The person to the left of you has to agree because they want something in the pool, but they want something that is not as powerful. So you need to thread the needle and also test your hidden information. But then you've already got two people. And what is two people? Two people is a division. And that disseminates throughout the whole tribe. And then there's a whole yes-no situation and Lord of the Flies, whatnot. We'll see how this pans out. But I'm truly excited about this aspect. There will be a mid-drafting debate three times, and it will be fast and furious and a new component to the Roseville stream. This is the honesty mechanic taken to its logical extremes. It is. Philosophically, physically, mentally. That's you the can deal. cut this piece of cake, but I get to pick which slice I is the first. Yes. Yes. <sighs> it all comes back to Portillo's. Always has been. <laughs> yeah but that's the deal just in terms of otg and roseville that's what we're doing we're drafting hypercube plus roseville one two supplements plus a new slate of uh nisei cards that have really proven themselves and i think ultimately will really shake up no one has ever played with this exact card pool before it is a super limited thing one time only psych it's five times only but you have to get to the one-time event Come hang out. It's going to be a fucking blast. And that's all my commentary on it. Unless there are further TV Guide sublet questions that we need to work ourselves through. I think that that is a good cap, actually. It sounds like it's going to be a hell of a time. It sounds like everybody should get involved with one of those drafts if they can, if they're coming to OTG. Even not, you should read the stories that are going to come out of that. Slums is going to cover it at some point, probably. How could we not? You know, it would be an offer that we couldn't refuse. And on that note, we have our next segment. An offer you can't refuse. So, this week, on an offer you can't refuse, we're going to be talking about predictions for not only the remaining continentals that are yet to go, as most people won't know, but I will tell you so you just understand what era we're coming from here. The second Continental has not yet wrapped up. We're recording this during, and there's one more yet to go. And then after that, we skip a week, and there is OTG. So the offer that we're making that we can't refuse here is, number one, if you're going to OTG and you're playing, what decks are you not going to refuse? What are you going to bring? 
And number two, what do you think is actually going to take down the tournament? What do you think is going to win? Who or what? You can say both, all, none on that second prompt. Josh, you really woke up this morning and you're going to make me talk about HB. Purple? On this God's Day. Purple? Absolutely. What it, like, the whole of OTG is just going to be that segment on Eric Andre called What If It Was Purple. What if it was purple? And it ends the okay. same way with me vomiting. Yeah. Well, I already gave you shout outs, so I figured I'd also give you shit ins. I don't think I have to talk about this much. Like, purple's going to win, right? Like, I don't know how an HB deck doesn't win. The meta would have to shift a lot and be really spun out like second, third, fourth tangents to like make purple bad. Because the problem is I don't even know what tech you bring as a runner to invalidate the purple decks to the point where the other decks are better, where any other color is better. Your asset tech, you play for the fucking remotes or whatever remote in sports if you feel like it. If the game goes long, the corp is just kind of dead anyway to 419. So 419 would have to be completely gone and there would have to be like some very good reason not to play a purple deck and just play a grindy long corp deck. And then there would have to be like some grindy long corp deck. And I can't think of one because all those decks suck. Fuck those decks. Why well, even spend a minute thinking about that? I have spent the 60 seconds on that. And the only thing that I would say maybe is a potential prediction because it would be history repeating itself. But it was Intercontinental's Brayfield had rocked that game net deck of just like LOL. I could just pot smoke the whole fucking time. If there's going to be something, it's going to be probably like that. There will be one of it because you have to actually know how to play it and they have to have the meta not do that thing and blah and blah. And they'll get third, but they won't get first. But you know what? That's probably what is going to happen. A grindy deck that doesn't care about APOC, which I can't think of a deck that does that. Go read that that old little write-up. The whole point is that fucker had what twenty or twenty-one ice and two Chris grids and stuff. Like I mean, it, it had Chrisium, and then what was Dan's other champ card? The Genteki upgrade. Fucking oh and, god, it both. Uh, it had Embolus, yeah, and that shuts off the Apoc plan. But I don't think there's a deck with good enough ice that also can play that grindy game because like oh, that was in a meta where Gold Farmer was legal. Yeah, right. Gold yeah, I, was I, around. Engram Flush was around. Yeah. Well, maybe Ingram mm-hmm. Flesh wasn't really. I don't and Chomp that- Machine. Chomp Embolus- Machine. Slot Machine, too, yeah. Yeah, Slot Machine's the big one. Like, Embolus, you're running Centrals anyway for the Apox, so you just, you're letting the Corp vamp themselves. But Crisium is the real thing. But I still think you can get around it. Like, I think the Max just makes too much fucking money mm-hmm. to, like, allow that deck to exist. So I will note that looking at... Europe and Africa continentals right now. They are on round six, and the standings do show a personal evolution deck at eighth. And we do have an Acme and a controlling the message at six and fourth. This is my very uneducated take. So, you know, everyone add your grains of salt. I'm not trying to be too mean on it, but that PE deck that's capitalizing on mistakes. That is not a proactive strategy. That is, Mm -hmm. there was a lot, probably an unprepared set of opponents Mm -hmm. that didn't handle it well. That type of player can get into top eight for sure, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to be as represented. Or it's it's a combo deck. Like I can see that being like some sort of Neurospike deck. I don't know, something really dishonest that really doesn't rely on the PE ability. It also Mm -hmm. eats Max alive and Max is 15 and one, two, three, Mm -hmm. four, five five of the top eight yeah oh yeah for sure and that's actually where i kind of was hoping to take this is so we all understand 
that the meta, as far as best corp deck, is mostly solved. It's sports, then it's PD, and then everything else is a half tier below that at minimum, right? PD, I will note, is at first right now in the current standings. Well, that doesn't mean that it's going to take it down, but... Shout out Patrick. Patrick's... I was going to say, that's Rotom Appliance. He could win with anything. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Strong agree. So my point here is, all right, a lot of what happened in APAC probably going to force a lot of people towards Max, right? Because you guys proved, shout outs to you there, Ian and Soka, you guys proved on your matches that Max has game. If you are on your runner game and you don't make really literally one mistake, you can win that fucking game and you win it handily, which you both did. They were close games. Still, once you guys controlled your respective games, you controlled your games and the runner really set the tone of the game which was impressive to see. I didn't know that that was possible against that deck, to tell you the truth. But what I'm saying is, now you're saying that this PE can have some angles against the max deck that if they are unprepared for a certain thing that they can just kind of biff it. And my question would be, knowing what we know about the solved meta of Corpse, of PD and Sports, and what runners may tech towards, could we have a rogue deck that looks at that meta looks left and goes, I'm going to go that way because none of you are going to think about anybody going that way. And I'm going to take advantage of all the inherent weaknesses of your deck. It's interesting. I'd have to look at the PE list because I think it would have to be doing something like slightly more than let Max mill themselves and then score Oboes. There's, I don't even want to call this meta solve. Like real talk feels bad talk. I don't think there are enough outstanding Netrunner players left to solve a meta this quickly. I think we're all just kind of finding really good decks as we go along and that there's always like more good decks out there and there's just not enough people working on the problem to be certain that we found all the angles. Like I'm really curious about the PE deck. Maybe there's something broken in there. I would be very curious to try it. I will note there, Ian, that every time I said solved, I was using air quotes there as in like, I don't know if it's completely solved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Netrunner's a deep game. Netrunner's a complicated game. Even if a meta gets solved, if something shifts and the balance shifts and like gets too clustered around one specific strategy or one specific angle, decks come in to prey on that. So Two things on that. Number one, I do think that there are decks that, to your point, that prey on the sports metal deck. I think Infinite Imp as a strategy is decent against it. I think that hand destruction, if that's even a, I mean, if that's a deck, if that's a thing that a deck can do, definitely helps. The question is, it becomes kind of like a a big meta read you have to make because you have to predict, okay, what is the preponderance of the sports metal deck? How many people are going to look at it and say, this is the best deck in the meta. I'm just going to play this and, you know, fuck everything else. And how many people are like, everyone else is going to think that's, I'm going to go the other way. Ian, hold on. The other thing I got to say about that, Ian, is it would help to solve the meta if top players had actually published their fucking decks. I did for the New York SC. This isn't you. I mean, it is me. I didn't publish Max. I published three Moshing and two Clot because on the last Slums cast, I said that Moshing was going to win an event. And luckily, Sokka also was playing Moshing. So Moshing did win that fucking event. Oh, shit. You were right then. Oh, yeah. We must be fucking Nostradamus. Greg Tong, fucking soothsayer. I think... Well, Greg Tongue designed the card. Praise be to Greg. 
that whole time, Greg was telling us this card was secretly sick and we just didn't believe him. Basically, what I'm taking from this is that I really want to see this fucking PE deck. I'm now, my curiosity Same. has been awoken. Looking at the ID breakdown here, over half of the players of the Europe and Africa continentals did choose either sports metal or precision design. So you can be very confident that unless somebody figures out a deck that appears to have as much game against the entire smattering of runners you could possibly play as these two decks, those are probably going to be the majority of what we play until there's a new ban list. I don't like playing the guessing game. Like, I don't like playing the reactionary game. I felt, to your point, Craig, where you were saying you felt ahead of the meta for the first time, that's kind of how I felt going into Continentals, where, like, Max was really, really good. Sports was known, but, you know, we tweaked it some. These decks are really, really good right now. I don't want to have to think about or figure out if people are going to react and play, like, five-hour clockdowns and they're fucking, like, building a better nation deck. Just let me play this Max into a field that's not totally prepared for it and hope for the best. Yeah, the other thing we could mess with the meta is emergency bans, but I don't know, I'm torn on that one, because yes, there's a high preponderance in sports metal, but it's not overwhelming to the point where an emergency ban is really necessary to me, so it would be very, very surprising to see Nisei take that action. I am going to hard disagree with you. If I was not running OTG as a Nisei-sanctioned store kit with a buy on the line, I would e-ban Vashron, just straight up. I thought we were but, all in agreement that Game Changer was the right band. It's vanilla. It's vanilla. It's the zero cost card. It's, it's Project Vitruvius, you fucking idiots. We've been on Vitruvius. It's been don't since 20, 2018, 2017. Don't you game. tell me. Listen, if a card begins with the words Project V, it's bad news. That's true. I, I'm just going to say, as much as I'm not good at this game, I'm good at commenting in this game. And let me tell you, old Spagaroni Cheese and I. Ooh. All-time banger of a moment. We were correct. We were correct. Beautiful. The other thing I will say, and I know that this is the trap. Ian, I feel so fucking called out, like, aggressively more than this entire green screen background of Portillo's with your, like, oh, I don't know if some fucking jackass is going to make Builder of Nations our lockdown. <laughs> uh, well, that's what I did at 1230 today. Keep in mind, it's not 1230 where I am. My brain is just riffing on like, what's a deck that's going to fuck the max up, have terrible matchups all the rest of the way, and then just ruin like five to six people's days? Yeah, and it was going to be Builder of Nations. I don't think the question, it's Builder of Nations. I don't think the, think the question day. you should be asking yourself is, how do I fuck up Max? I think the question you have to ask yourself is the other way around is, how do I fuck up Sports Metal? No means that's the answer. Yeah, so right? I don't yeah, even that, think yeah. Sports Metal is like, it's not that defensive it's not that robust it can fold pretty like stargate it folds and you got to access the right card i think the pd is a million times more resilient than the sports i, I actually agree. strongly strong yeah. after an apoc it has sports metal lines sports metal feels like it crosses the line because it wins on like turn six it's the same problem that titan had right where titan just creates these situations where as the runner if you, the game ends and you look at the board and you're like, what could I have actually done? It doesn't even feel like you had a chance to make a mistake. That's why you so, like you play the decks that force sports to play reactively instead of proactively. So Sokka did the same thing, and I did the same thing in those two grand final games where like Sokka got to six, and then I just clot locked for the rest of the game. Until the right. Almost That's why I think clot is there's the two builds of Max, the one with clot and the one with out of the ashes. Like out of the ashes is cute, but like clot's gonna win you the game. If MCAP was like the card, then you play out of the ashes, but it's not. It's audacity. 
I just flat out don't think that card is good. Well, it just, I it just takes, to to takes too much time. Game. We're speed running these games, and yeah. that's frame negative. With the APAC Continentals, there was those two nerds that did really well with Hoopa Loop and like Imp, blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting, like I get that. Like that makes more sense to me that's disruptive to the sports, the Jorts metal plan, blah, 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 blah. The thing that I want to do, but I ultimately at the end of the day, I think it's a trap just because it doesn't have the small deck size and or the draw, is I just want to play fast as fuck freedom with Imp. I still don't think that that is correct, but it feels correct. I don't think that that's correct versus PD, but I think it's correct versus sports because I think you can put down a botulist. There's a lot and of just zeros. go. There's botulist. Can, there's a lot of zeros. Like I but know you can that we meet just go. Time, but yeah, it you really, can, really yeah. It, it wrecks the shit out of sports. We were talking about this. We brought freedom to worlds last year, and you lose Stimhack. And when you lose Stimhack, you lose Ingolo because you can't ever fucking install that chunky piece of shit. And you like lose like. You can't street peddler. You can't peddler anything out. Like yep. you can't fucking try to peddler a fucking knob key area or whatever. It's just, it's so much money and so much draw that you need in that deck. And that's why Max feels better because it solves the draw problem for you. And then even mm-hmm. APOC poop can like get lucky against PD and APOC them especially. And But like the bounce back and getting enough draw to get there, even in a 40 card deck is tough. It's yeah. really tough. The other reason I think PD hasn't caught on is because it's definitely less forgiving. It's pretty forgiving because, like, the cards in that deck are just fucked up. Mm. But, like, sports has the tournament-friendly advantage of you just accidentally win sometimes. You just draw a nut draw. Like, the top eight cards of your deck are just insane, and you just win. And there's nothing the runner can do about it. And that's really good in a tournament environment because you always want to play decks that – not always, but oftentimes the less amount of decisions you have to make over the course of the day, the better. You don't want to use all of your brain power. I don't want to rub my two brain cells together on rounds one and two. I want to do that later on if I can. I'm reading these cards. I'm reading these cards, uh, and I know that that's a DQ. But um, I'm reading these, and I think that they mean that I score a Vacheron from hand. Uh, so um, I think I win. The more Neverner you can play with your brain off, the better, because it helps you actually make the decisions that matter instead of early round decisions. And that is the secret sauce as to why I've ever done well in a tournament ever. Because if I res UCF and you can't break it. Okay. Zero credits. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's it. <laughs> so I want to speak to what, what Ian was bringing up there. And I, so look, dude, I think that that is fully what is holding freedom back because the one thing that you can't solve by just going botulist go with freedom versus PD right now is they have that big ass early game ice. Specifically, I think it's Hagen is one of them. Barrier. It's not the only one, but basically, you can't just go botulist go because then they're going to like trash your botulist or you're not going to have enough for all the subs or whatever. And I think that you're right. Like Angolo solves that, but it's a chonky motherfucker and you're giving up so much speed to install it, to solve your early game problem that you just basically tanked your early game by putting in play the thing that was supposed to be your early game plan. And I think that if you could solve the early game econ and freedom, uh, just like it would be so fucking good. But uh, how do you do it without Stimhack? Like how? Freedom yeah. also has the problem of if I'm freedom and my opponent scores a Cyberdeck Sandbox, the game ends on the spot. Yeah, just about. The only problem with freedom right now and the only thing holding him back is that he doesn't have any money or draw. So yeah. 
If we can solve those two very yeah, if, if, if he just had the two most core pieces of that runner, he would be tier one. Yeah, yeah that, like I think no, no, really I, I think Anarch has draw. I think Anarch has draw. It's not the draw he wants, though. It's not yeah, the yeah, draw yeah. he wants. You're right. Absolutely. Freedom. You have normie deck size and no draw. But the power level yeah. of the power is much higher because you're just saying you're removing pieces yeah. from your opponent. But if you don't get to a state where you can actually do it, you know, it don't. If, if sports yeah. is such a high preponderance at US continentals, then I'll definitely be much more interested in loop as a concept. Yeah, loop is really like, good. It's really hard to argue with an ID. Like, if your ID says gain a credit, it's probably really good. If your ID says yeah. draw a card, it's probably really good. If your ID says gain a credit and draw a card, I'm listening. Yeah, I mean, loop is another good one to consider because you guys are right. It has all three of those advantages of the draw and the money and the small deck size. What do you think is holding that back right now? Sucks against things where it can't access cards easily. I've played that deck a little bit, and yeah, if you go against like CTM or like sports or whatever, then you get the imp thing going and it, it feels mm-hmm. great. But if my opponent flips PD and it, accessing cards becomes work, like that deck's not quite as rich. You have to okay. get in because you also it's, have to install your dumb five cost console to like get the thing working. Yeah, if you're not oh, using good. it as like a, a small deck size vehicle for Apocalypse, which is a reasonable take with it. It's hard to see that bringing more value than just generic form one nine because you get to play all the busted ass blue cards and then you can play the busted ass blue draw. It's hard to make an argument, I think, for Lou over four one nine from a value perspective. From an APOC delivery perspective, sure, and from like a rebirth perspective, sure. But in terms of just getting money and draw and being able to get in early and fuck with the core four one nine, I think smokes mm-hmm. it, which is why it's the other like monolithic deck in the field. Just to get like a clear answer on Loop, why he's not the choice over Max or or four one nine, but I'm talking in faction. Basically, what you're saying is, sure, he's got game against CTM, he's got game against sports, but you're saying that essentially against PD, that's what's holding you down. You can't get it enough to really take advantage of that power, so it's better to have something built into the ID that says you just draw every turn. Yeah, the draw and the credit are conditional, so the more yeah. ice that the corp is going to be resing the harder it is for you to get accesses mm-hmm. the more that that idea ability kind of falls off a cliff shout out to seemingly underwhelming card in pd but i think it's pretty okay ran 1.0 yeah <sighs> yeah i really hate that i think that this card is pretty good but honestly i think that that's a pretty crux piece of ice in the equation there it's good everything else you know what Brand it is. fucks with you a because it costs five with paperclip but then b more importantly you use it to get the border control back from archives if you're trying to yeah. defend against the epoch, and that's like devastating. Crank, you hit it on the head with Max versus Lou. It's conditional credit and then draw versus unconditional draw. And the other thing about the Max is with the meta this fast, because if I'm sitting across from a Lou and I know that they're not on APOC and I'm playing PD, I'll slow the game down like a motherfucker. Or not slow the game down, sorry, I'll speed it up. The disruption's not that great. You have a couple botulists that you can get in, but like multiple sub-ice makes that really difficult. But with a Max, you're racing the PD to the bottom of your deck and making as much money as you can along the way. You're just moshing, like you moshing a daily cast. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's fine. I'll just take the money now and then I'll labor rights back in my econ. The JG Wentworth strategy. Exactly. My money and I want it now. I just think you have more raw speed, power, and money with the max and more disruption, honestly, than the Lou because it's a two-card combo with the Lou and it's a one-card combo with the max with the APOC. 
Mm-hmm. I ask a very fair question of this group on the topic of Max. Mm-hmm. Who is the sadistic motherfucker in Nisei who chose not to save that card from rotation? Uh, everyone. I wish I Max is the I, I, sickest I, I, fucking ID this game has ever seen that isn't called noise. I lose sleep over this. We saved PE over RP. System update is I, not the final form. God, I oh, you should not have brought up the RP thing. I'm it kills so heard about that. That yeah. is devastating to me. Oh God. So you, the thing you guys should realize is with system update is that that's not necessarily the final system update. That's a system update, just like system core was a system core could be updated. Maybe not next year, but the year after could be updated in the future. So Max I don't could want, come back. I'm not waiting. I don't want to wait for my love with well, Max, Max to is, be over. Did you, did you not hear Max JG? No, no, please. It's, it's, my, it's my runner, and I need it now. No. Hey, Max though could come back. Is what I'm saying. Like, don't count Max out forever. Like, yeah, but that, you that's know? what you motherfuckers keep saying about museum, and look how far we've gotten with that one. I don't think museums ever going to come back. Unfortunately, as much as I we don't want to, to rehash that argument, We've- I'm not part of the team that makes that decision, my dude. So the next so. system update: when it rotates a card, can it rotate PE to like uh, chaos? The center of the cycle, sun? where it like just yeah. rips the card apart. It's like no PE has been rotated so hard that it will never rotate back. I would rather have RP than PE any oh, day yeah, yeah. of the week. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like gun to your head. You have to choose between PE staying in the next system core, or we'll get rid of it, but we're going to bring back PU. Bring back PU. Fuck you. Bring back PU. Do it. I don't give a shit. Fuck you. I'll say this. I fucking hate potato no, sex. I fucking in. hate them. That's fine. Bring back Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Just grow up. Everyone needs to start adapting more. That's the whole thing. Everyone's all so yeah. set in their ways. Oh, no. I can't install a orchestra. Fucking get over it. Just the wailing and the lamentation from JNet, like the JNet chat room, if PE got banned. Anyway, getting back to the topic at hand. Okay, if it's not purple, that's winning OTG. What other decks have a shot on Corpse Side? CTM, because people refuse to change their play styles, listen, or read. No, no, Ian, you have to agree that if that's the full sentence, that's the full sentence. CTM, if... People do not change their play styles or cards that they want to do or adapt. I would say that. But if you disagree with that full sentence, I will respect your opinion. I disagree because the max eats the CTM a lot. It really does. I don't know how CTM beats it. It already struggles against APOC, but like that deck makes a billion dollars and then APOCs you. That's fair. And like deuces on the APOC turn to uh, clear the tag. Uh, That is a fair one. Does max play three? I think it plays one. One sounds right. But it's probably fun. Okay. That's fair. But anyways, that's my answer, just because I'm lazy and that will beat 80% of people. There was a Ag Infusion deck that was doing decently well. Did that fall off today at EMEA? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it must have, because I don't even... Yeah, it's all the way down at like 34, yeah. Jinteki's not real, but Ag Infusion no, always finds ways to surprise me. When I think it's shitty, it always seems to do really well. So this Ag Inf went 4 and one at APAC. It's playing three Obo, three Nisei, three Cyberdex, three Chiashi, couple DNA trackers, three Anansi, bunch of money, and an Anoidic Void. It's not playing Skunk, playing Seamless Launch. It's not playing, what's the fucking upgrade? Lacosta Group. Lacosta. Yeah, Echabody and Groster. I mean, it's not Macrophage. Yuck. It just fucks with APOC. 
it makes roughly enough money. Mm. I think almost certainly, what's it called? 419 just wrecks the stack. Yeah, I think 419 probably yeah. beats it, but it's not, a, it's not enough econ. That was always the thing. Like back when Agon Fusion, I think he even had the like, we had SSL, which allowed for a little bit more slop. Even then, it was like not enough. Losing Angram Flush was really hard. I will say about the European Continentals right now, the winningest corp deck is this PE. I'm so curious. I, I need. I, I, need I too am looking at this, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Their runner is dragging them down. Otherwise, they would be with a couple more runs on runner side. They would be way up on the standings because they are just wrecking with this PE. And what is it? doing oh my like, god andrew you might be 100 percent right it might be just runner error it might be like a swiss killer where once you know what the deck is doing and how the deck is doing it you play around it and it's not going to be good it, once the deck is known it might not be nearly as good but i'm so curious what the idea is that allowed it to go six and one swiss the sos isn't great so it might have submarined but like i don't know still. i just i'll say this uh in relation to who we've who strong focus on who we've talked about today in consulting one of the grand wizards of Netrunner, they said PE was a real smarty bill choice a fucking while ago. And I was like, oh, damn it. Uh, you're at least 50, 48% right. Let's see if it goes over to 51. And if it has a plan to beat 419, then it's a real deck. It doesn't have psychic field. That little fucking JPEG. Because it's rotated. I can just fucking click 419's stupid face and then click like always expose and not even have to think about it now that fucking Psychic Field is gone. Thank you. Lazy. Thank you, Nisei. Lazy. Yeah, so I mean, to bring it back around and sort of wrap up this segment a little bit, I won't be surprised if this Continental, the next Continental, and OTG, if we see a string of PDs and sports, I'm thinking most likely sports, but PDs and sports, and Max. I'm not going to be wicked shocked if that happens. However, I do think that there are some rogue decks, especially I think if people are practicing and they're not doing their gauntlet against the things that are a lesser tier, like if they're only focusing on sports and PD, the fundamentals of, again, say, rude deck are vastly different. Sure, it goes fast, just like those other two decks, but it's not doing the same thing. It's not getting tempo positive agendas. It's not trashing all of its cards to audacity something it's not racing you what a root deck is doing is it's leveraging different types of economy cards credits clicks and uh what's the iq point other one time well i was gonna say tags coitus. so it's cards credits, it's coitus. yeah let's go with that tags you like coitus. no but it's leveraging those four things, right? And what it's trying to do is it's trying to catch you out on one of them. If you don't focus on all four at all times, I'm going to beat you on one of those axes. And I happen to be a rude player for like fucking like three years, which is why I'm saying this. I do happen to think that if you're not practiced against it or you're laser focusing your deck away from it, that there's an axis that I can catch you out on. I have to play bold, though. So one of the things that I don't think that you see with a lot of rude players is them just jamming and going, I don't care if you can, like, score this. And, like, I don't care about the game state. I'm just going to ice up what I need to, only what I need to, and just windmill. Question. Do these rude decks still play reverse accounts? 
Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. At least, at least two. Absolutely. At least two. And that is that at least two. choice just because you're already on CityWorks? Just for, for those folks learning at home? Because you're on dedication, you're on CityWorks, you're going to play reversed because it's one thing to jam into a remote and have them try to go get it. And if you got a bulwark there, even with one bad club when you res the first bulwark, it's monstrously backbreaking for Paperclip to break it. So if they're going in to break a bulwark to go get a reversed accounts, you're like, I don't care if you trash that. But if they don't, then you have that in the remote, you get to flip it over, dedication it, and then take all their money and then windmill something into the remote. You're playing a lot of just jam shit in the remote and I want you to run it because at the threshold of one to two BP, every ice in rude deck can still tax you a shitload of credits. It's fucking insane how much the ice takes to break. It actually absorbs the bad pub once you start stacking the illicit ice on each other. I'm not saying that it's the tier one deck. I am absolutely not saying that. I do think that Sports and PD are by far and away the best decks in the format. But what I am saying is I do think that Rude has gain in the fact that it's a 1.5 deck. And if you're not practiced against it and the person who is playing it is super practiced on it, they're going to force you into a decision that you don't want to make at some point in the game and they could leverage that into a win. Do I think it's going to win OTG? No. Do I think it's going to win any of the Continentals? No. I do think that it could. Uh, as far as what I think is actually going to win, I'm going to go with something spicy here, I think. I think we're going to see, at least in one of these Continentals, a non-HB ID win. I think it's going to be CTM. You're rooting for Django 84. Django maybe, 84 maybe. rolling up with a 5-1 and one CTM and a 4-3, and 4-2. Yeah. Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to call the Continentals, but I will call it OTG. 419PD. 419PD? I think PD is really good, harder to tech against than the sports medal. Maybe that'll scare some people out of the sports, especially depending yeah. on what happens for US. And then the 419 has just been around for so long. I think a lot of people are already practiced on it. They don't have to learn a new deck. A good stuff deck, too. And it has game against literally everything. It's generically good and rewards. It's generically it rewards good. Rewards yeah. high, good player skill. It's a dog to sports, though. It is a dog to sports. Yeah. That's true. Can it shore up that matchup in any way? Can I add a count siphon 2.1? Right. You can get a 2.1 <laughs> one. You can get the addendum. The short answer is like, I think some players have been toying around with Black File in 419, which is cute, but I've questioned how impactful it actually is. It's a uh, no, no comment, but also shoot. But also, <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, it's good. It's, I think this is probably coming out after Continentals anyway. Um, I don't know. If you get an early Vash run, it can be that couple of extra turns you need to win, though. So limit one per deck is always going to be, like, super unreliable, but also you're probably playing three diesel. You're probably playing a fuckload of draw. So you can find it. And if you can get it down at the right time, it is backbreaking for the sports. It just can't win through it. That's basically the only disruption you have in faction against the sports because they can always combo at it low credit totals. You know, they're playing subliminal to audacity from zero. I mean, it's like tough sledding is 419. Blackwell makes it slightly better. We haven't even brought in Dr. Lovegood yet. I mean, that's a whole other 17-paragraph word essay. This is what I don't understand. If you're playing Dr. Lovegood Blackfile and you blank Blackfile, don't you just instantly lose the game if the corpse on yes. seven points? Yes, right. if they're on seven points. But the idea is that you install Lovegood and Blackfile to get them out of your hand in case they could be disrupted. 
and then you blank it until it's needed. Because it doesn't start adding yeah. counters if it's blanked with Lovegood. So it takes the yep. black file up. You can install it at any time. You don't have to wait till they're about to whip. So yeah, two yeah. Is combo it... that does absolutely nothing in every single matchup except one costs six credits and you have to spend two clicks installing it. I'm in. I'm in. And, and, and influence. And influence. influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. influence. Yeah. 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 No, I think you're right. Like just a 1x black file is probably better than putting both in. <laughs> It's a shame that Sports Metal isn't really a wide deck because, I mean, I think Cossack String would really be a strong improvement. I think it's just, you know, it's a, it's an importable neutral that's really countering the, you know, the strict downside of the Project V, uh, more importantly, Vacheron, and allowing you to really earn your way to the top rather than just kind of laughing around. And, Aha, maybe I'll get three points one day when I'm a big boy. Type Here's a non-meme question about 419. Diesel or Anacam? So Anakin. I played both. I played Anakin at NY Store Champs, and Anakin won that event. But oh god, Diesel's probably better. Diesel just Anakin looks like it sucks because like, like you don't get I, to play Penny's Haver. Yeah, yeah, no, Penny's Haver. You actually, yeah, you actually don't play Penny's Haver. Really? You want Paragon? Yeah. Really? Listen, you were just talking about this. The skill cap on four one nine is crazy high. And you can raise that skill cap even higher by intelligently filtering your deck with Paragon. It adds the value of being able to scry even more, which like gets you the cards you need when you need them. I was a big Penny Shaver stan. I was a big Anakam stan. Anakam, I think, is better than Penny Shaver because it gives you the draw and it gives it to you clicklessly, whereas Penny Shaver, you got to click it. But I think if you're picking between... Penny's Haver and, and Paragon, you probably got to pick Paragon. Are you You're fucking kidding me? I'm going to say this. Put 15 Her? cards in your runner deck. That's it. Grow up. Grow no. up. No. You're saying the draw filtering is better than Desperado Reborn. It's not fair to call it Desperado Reborn because the click is really impactful. It adds um, a credit during that click, though. But you still got to You still have to click it. The you difference lose between. That moment. Let's say you're getting eight credits off Penny Shaver, right? That's eight clicks that you saved if that was a Desperado. So that's not a fair comparison. Like, Desperado is giving you the credit for free. Like, it's rewarding you, you for get, doing a thing you're already doing. Penny Shaver rewards get, you for doing that thing after you've already done it. Right, you get the credit the up front, which means you can trash it with it. Like, it gives it to you yeah. on access, which is super important. You get the scry, which I think is massively valued. And then also, if you're not running more than once per turn, which, you know, usually you are, but sometimes you're not, Paragon and Penny Shaver are nearly the same thing. because you Okay. I have a hot question then. So you're saying that essentially the only disruption in faction for these fast two HB decks is that black file, right? Um, and you're you're also basically saying that like, hey, four one nine doesn't really have disruption against these decks, right? Well, you beat, for the most part, you beat PD by playing good netrunner with four one nine. You play Rangos, you play Inside Job, you stop their early score, you kind of stun yep. them in their tracks, and then you pick them out of HQ. Sure, sounds good. Sounds good. But are you saying that Doof has a little bit less value? Uh, right? Doof versus PD is really good. Doof versus Sports is like really good when you're trying to keep them below biotic levels because they can't, like Audacity right. becomes awkward for Sports. I was about to ask you if it would be, uh, this is kind of a spicy question and you're probably just going to say no, that's dumb. But I was about to ask you if it's almost more valuable to take the Doofs out and put in Blueberry Diesels on top of you having diesels, on top of you having deuces. Well, the difference between Doof and Blueberry Diesel is that Blueberry Diesel fucking sucks. Well, yeah. But it's more drawn, it's more filtering. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was wondering how important the draw and filtering was, though. There was are, like, several draw cards in the game right now. I played before Blueberry Diesel, and I played you before all of those. You yeah, play regular like, okay. green beans, yeah. yeah. And the you power level is so different that yeah. the function, you don't get to the function discussion. Here's a hot question that I'll ask as well. Okay, so we've already decided that we're going to spend six influence on diesels, which I think is right. Why are we not spending six influence on iPad Wars? It's a good Instead question. of diesel. I mean, so there's no net damage, right? There's no damage in this yeah, yeah. And then maybe if PE is showing right back. More, like, mm -hmm. oh, we're cutting the feed? No, just keep going. Yeah, keep like going. Maybe, maybe if PE is showing up more, like maybe if there's more net damage, you play iPad worse. Otherwise, diesel is just flat better. But I hear you. I mean, I just think zero is less than one. Wow. Fucking ho, 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 everybody. Ho. Zero. Whoa. Wow. We got there. Wow. Fucking bowling alley. If you um, had utility for I've had worse in this meta, I would say go for it. And maybe there will be come American cons or come OTG. Anytime I splash for diesel, I just always am like, why is this not I've had worse? Because the same like if was around, you could play it. Yeah. If like snare.deck is a thing, you could play it. I don't think these new people are on snare. They're just. It, if this people is doing something weird with like complete image Salem's fucking, I mean, I guess Salem's gonna fuck up iPad worse, but like some weird neural complete image kill. Then it was funny because I had shared in the I think the Spirit of Roses channel or whatever the like the the Dan D Salem's image dot com. It's interesting because like it's clear that motherfucker did something with it at some time in a meta with really powerful decks that was not just like a sleeper meta, but in any case, like. I love that Rotage play, paid for real ass influence on the Salem stick. Yeah, that's tight. That what a fucking, incredible. what a G. God incredible. damn, that's so cool. <laughs> is it for influence or is it it's for? Two? It's for, but it's no one ever usually pays for it because it's Alliance. Oh. And you like, you have spin doctors. So like you're already approaching non excuse town and then you're saying, nah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, God, that's so badass. That's so Oh sick. shit. In yeah. my uh fucking in my fucking root deck, I could cut a archive memories because I'm playing 3x for my third hard hitting news, which would give me alliance, and then I could put Salem's in. You could. That's a choice. Those are the rules. I agree. A judge will have to certify your deck. Oh man, I'm tempted to do that because Look, I think that Rude can play around APOC. I've been a proponent of this for a while because also I think it just doesn't install a ton of ice if you're playing it right. But if you could pre-get the APOC out of their hand, that makes that MU even better. And then you could use it for... Um, God, you could use it for Botulai. You could use it for a couple of different things against Max. You need to test it, and yeah. then you can take a JPEG of yourself going... I told you so. And you have to play like, 100 games. on the internet? Yeah. Yep, 100, exactly 100. I'm counting yeah. on this coming out after OTG and after American Continentals. The Salem's has fucking crazy-ass utility against Max. You can snipe the labor rights so they can't recur their shit. You can snipe the AP. Oh, God. There's a That's lot. so good. There's a lot. Of that shit. was the key card that I was forgetting. I was forgetting labor rights. Labor oh, rights. my God. Yeah, dude, you just Salem snipe that. Okay, go ahead, APOC me, and then you can't recur anything. S oh, Salem's no. archive Salem's? You have no stack? <laughs> first, oh, no. first turn. Oh, no, that's good. Oh, man, I gotta I gotta start testing Salem's now. God damn. 
I mean, I'm not even going to play in the event, but I mean, I mean, so... I, won't, I won't give the full full tech, but I'll, I'll say this is a closing note for your competitive analysis, analysis, whatever you want to, however you want to digest that, that word. It'll just be on the Ano bum cover. Just do Salem's into Arc Lockdown just to show them who's boss. Fucking, oh no, it's gone. Oh no, it's really gone. It's gone, gone. It's so gone that it never was. Do it against 419 with no recursion just to send a message. Exactly. You spent a click saying you won't, and then they didn't. The end. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to think here if there's another thing that we should talk about. Do we do, do, we do the beef zone? All right. In honor of Portillo's on this episode, we have Slumscast's first ever combo segment. And that combo, just like that beautiful, delicious Portillo's combo beef, is going to be made up of a little bit of spice and well, a little bit of beef. So today on the Slums Cast, we have both a... Ooh, that's spicy! And a... The Beef Zone. Beef. It's what's I, for dinner. So I'll lead into this, and I don't think this person knows that they're in the Beef Zone with me, but they are firmly in the fucking Beef Zone. I played in the top cut at APAC, the second round, my opponent's name, N.B. Kelly. N.B. Kelly titled their deck, Tilt Rope Asmari. And let me tell you, boys, I'm still tilted to fuck out of that fucking game. They were on five. They put a fucking card in a remote behind a data raven. I said, you won't. They did. It was tomorrow's headline. Game fucking over. Then they called me Rondi Doge twice, one in the Discord and one in the write-up. N.B. Kelly... I'm putting out notice. You've tilted me off the face of the fucking Mars. Like I am ready to be in the beef zone and I'll take this beef to my grave. It will decompose with me and then grow into some flowers and the flowers will spell beef, beef forever. End of story. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck to say to that. I think the real beef should be, your real beef with this person should be if they were playing Data Raven, that card's not real anymore. Well, whatever, fun house, whatever. Data Raven at home, okay. okay yeah, Data Raven at home. It makes it worse because it's the worst version of the card. You have to look at that stupid fucking art the whole time. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Work from home, Data Raven. I have my beef. And the problem with this is you just have to look. It's not really a beef as much as they're just facts. Maybe that's the way to say this. I find it aggressive, gross, not respecting proprietaryism, capitalism, individualism, brandism. The disproportionate amount of organic Nisei cards versus clear and utter ripoffs from the Roseville cycles into the Nisei production without accreditation, acclamation, support, care packages, RSUs, year-over-year bonuses, statutory grade increases on salary dependent on your level and title within the software industry? is unspeakable. Do you have a for instance? Swift, are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to pull it up. The Blades. Let's read it here, folks. Completely unaltered. Do you want to read it? I've got it pulled up. You don't motherfucking think I got this BMP blown up. You got that in the chamber. 28-inch ultra widescreen LG 2019 monitor to the left of me? Disgusting. Two-cost hardware, The Blades. Click. Make a run. If successful, gain click. 
if unsuccessful, suffer a brain damage. Limit one per turn. I get it. I get it. Oh, I won't copy your homework, my lord. We'll just cross off the second and third parts of the card. That's my beef. There's many, many example. And I'm going to release the full PDF when this thing is done with a couple of tactical red rectangles highlighting the atrocities that have happened here. That's my beef. Shameful. I can I could definitely taste the jardinier on that one. I mean, just it's it's I melt. Are you fucking kidding me? That Wayland barrier. Oh, oh, what does that do when a runner keeps going against it? Oh, weird. It fucking gets weaker. Oh, that's odd. I didn't think about that one. <laughs> oh, 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 that's that's damn. That's so interesting. And there's more up in this motherfucking JPEG here, but. I'm going to have an expose on this, and I think that Frank will cover it in full. If you know Hey, that's I mean. a card. All right, Cranked. Cranked, you have to share your spicy beef. Oh, there's... Okay. My beef is with the Netrunner community. <laughs> My beef is with the Netrunner community because they have this hard-on against not calling judges for things that should be settled by judges. In Mia, there was a what seemed to be controversial judge call, or not judge call, but judge intervention that got made because a player appeared to be slow playing, like really hard. With like four minutes left in the game, the runner had a uh, Vacheron with two counters on it. If they were playing at a normal pace, probably would have been taken off of layaway. And the corporation player seemed to play really slowly to prevent that from coming off of layaway. Fucking call judges when things happen like that. Because judge calls don't need to be because someone was cheating. I think that's the misunderstanding that it seems like a lot of players have about calling a judge. It's when something's fucked up where you don't know how to solve it, just call a judge. It's literally their job to fix it. The end. Shout out to Sanjay for being the greatest judge in existence. Period. Counterpoint, shout out internet for the same title. Shout out also Swan from SF. Shout out also, there's a slew of legends, judges, but you know who they are and you will always fucking call them. And that is the point. So I mean, it, use your minutes. We don't even have minutes anymore. Of- we have, this, this Steven Jobs machine that has an apple on it. I don't even have an allocated amount of minutes every month. This shit says big U word, unlimited. 1-800-HELLO, judge. Oh yes, I need you to settle a dispute. This shit you can do for $0 a month unbelievable i remember it like i think it was world 17 my opponent fired a yagura and they forgot to bottom a card or something and i was like no we need to call a judge he's like no we don't need to call a judge and i'm like no we do you can't say how to fix it that's not your prerogative as a player i'm not saying you're cheating i'm saying i need a neutral arbiter to fix the situation you're not a bad person because i called a judge in our game and you've said two p words today of program and prerogative and i'm all here for it I got to use my English degree somehow, Cortez. Damn. I paid X thousands of dollars for that fucker. There's another P word for you. PD. Uh, sorry, poetry. I mean, PD. Um, all right. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so I guess my beef is with the Netrunner community. Remove the stigma against calling judges and normalize that behavior. I called a judge. I called a judge APEC cut. I think the round before the finals. What was your judge call? So runner was running through gatekeeper on R&D and... They were breaking just the end the run sub. And I wanted to know whether I could fire the first sub, draw zero cards, and not shuffle R&D. And it turns out that's not the case. You have to shuffle R&D every time. 
but I didn't know the answer. My mom didn't know the answer. And even if they did know the answer and said, yeah, this is how it works, I would still call a judge because the judge is the one with the official answer. And that's yeah. just, you just take the players out of it. It's hard when the Netrunner community is small and tight knit to get away from the idea that your opponents are like your friends and they're like people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. But like in the context of a game that is being played competitively, you have to understand that your opponent by its very nature does not have your best interests at heart. I'm not saying they're going to cheat you, but they don't. Yeah. They want to win. I think you can even abstract it better than that. Cause like, I agree with you that it's, you know, you're both trying to win the game. And so it's hard to rely on either of you for ruling. But I think actually, if you, the way that I think about it is like, even if I'm playing against my friend, I don't care which way the judge call goes. I just want to get it right. Like I want to play the game the right way, the way that it should resolve according to the rules. And so if you just both want to get it right, it doesn't matter that you call a judge. It doesn't even matter what the ruling is. You want Mm. it to be the right ruling. You want it to be what should happen in the situation. I've got a mixed take on this because in Mopus, I was kind of the victim of what I would term as sharking, which is using a judge to get your wins. In that, that uh, I was using find the truth, forgot to do a find the truth reveal, added it to my hand, immediately went, oops, grabbed the card, threw it on the table, showed them. We still called a judge. The judge came over and my opponent had basically said, no, they kind of like added to their hand and started to shuffle a little bit. And then they showed me. And judge calls, like in some cases, I don't know, are 100% like in the spirit of the game. Like I asked if we could just reveal the grip, but counter answer to that was, well, you could have some cards that were in your grip prior that weren't revealed. So that would be giving additional information. It wouldn't exactly be fixing the game state, which I kind of understand, but it's also only to the benefit of the corp. So I didn't understand why it wasn't a viable solution. Okay, so I will say that having being on the receiving end of that, that sucks when it happens. I agree. And I don't like when people do that to, in my terminology, shark a win. However, I will say, even with all of that said, even being a guy on the receiving end of that, call a fucking judge. So if we're really interested in the best competitive game that we can have, and you're there to compete, and you're there to do it the right way, and you're there to have clean victories or clean losses and stuff like that, the cleanest way to do that is not to look at your opponent and go, hey, can we find a solution? It is exactly what you guys are saying. It's to call a judge, realize, hey, in some cases, this might not go your way, even if you think it could have gone a different way, such as in my case, and then have a neutral arbiter of your game make a call. You may not agree that it's the right call, but it is a call that is divorced from the mistake that was made in play that you two made and is not necessarily designed to be to the favor of either player. You can call that sharking. You can call it angle shooting. Like anybody who's actually angle shooting in a tournament knows exactly what they're doing. Absolutely. It's not even for them. Like there's a message for anybody. Like if you don't consciously think I'm trying to snake my way to a win right now by calling this judge, this message is for you. Call the judge. Don't feel bad about it. It's totally absolutely. It's good to call a judge. You don't have to exclamation point chair spin. You can just call that judge and get the right result. Slow play is a hard one too, like specifically. Yeah it's really hard to discern intent guarantee that all four of us have gone in the tank at some point. Like we've got yeah. a really hard, like mm-hmm. harder critical turn that you have to go in the tank for. And it's like, that's really hard to divorce from the idea that my opponent is gaming the clock for their own advantage, but also 
you can call a judge to be like, hey, can you just watch my game to see if he yeah. sees slow play? Take yourself yeah. out of it. That's the point of the, the judge call in that situation. It's not fair for me to assess what my opponent's doing yeah. here. It's the judge's job. Let them do their job. Also, I will say that if you are really friends with this person, if you go, hey, here's my reasoning for calling a judge, then this person, if they are actually your friends, is going to be like, okay, yeah, it's reasonable, man. Like, don't be afraid because you're a friends with the person and looking across from them and you've played with them for years to call a judge. It's not about respect. You can still respect that person a hell of a lot. You can still love that person and like, dude, cranked. You're my fucking homie, bro. I'm going to love playing net with runner with you until you quit. But if I think that you're maybe slow playing, like maybe you don't even think you are, but if I think you're maybe slow playing, there should be no reason if CTC is running the event that I don't call him over and go, just watch both of us. It's coming down to the clock here. And can we make sure that neither one of us are slow playing? And there you go. Judge over here, neutral arbiter. Boom. Judges so, don't like giving game losses either. Like they, I, they from don't. my experience, they don't want to do that unless they kind of have to. And I know this because I've been the guy to issue a game loss. And I think yeah. Madison Regionals in 16, a player, it was very similar to your situation, Josh, where there was a resed uh, genetics pavilion on the board. And mm-hmm. the opponent drew their third card. It hit their hand. And their opponent called the judge at that point, not when he announced his click three draw card. The floor rules were really clear. If it hit the hand at this level of tournament, it's a game loss. And it's like I knew what was going on and felt Mm -hmm. powerless to stop it, but it doesn't feel good. I mean, I didn't get any satisfaction out of, you know, issuing a game loss for that reason. That's why with this kind of shit, you know, this is a big PSA for judges. And ultimately, at the end of the day, call fucking judge. But then there's two things we have to do as a better community if the whole fucking beef is against community. A... Thank your judges, you dumb motherfuckers. The end. Pet the judges. Pet the judges. They're doing stuff that you don't have to do. So you say thank you, and you fucking cross your legs and be a nice little person and shut the fuck up, and that's it. But then B, hey, if that judge isn't occupied, call them over and say, hey, watch me do this fucking sick JPEG. Then they get a free (laughs) show. They get a highlight show. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. As long as it's not interrupting someone else's judgeability. Have them watch. It's going to be tight. They want to watch and they love the game. That's why they're judging. That's it. The end. Be cool. Call a judge. Sing kumbaya. Hold hands. Go make out in the back and just be done. That's the tightest judge call. Uh, Judge, check this shit out. Yeah. Judge, watch me win. (laughs) Yeah, watch me win and thank you for doing your job. That's it. Josh, I hope you know that at OTG, I'm going to call you over just to say, hold my beer, watch this. You better have a second beer that I get to keep. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's bribing you. <laughs> the beef zone. The beef zone. The beef has been fucking cooked. cooked. Beef is smoked. Get on. Fucking beef. Right. Get trolled, get cranked, get wanked, smoke trees. Yeah. I can agree with all of that. With that, I think we've reached the end of the episode. I'm going to go ahead and say what Pants normally says here, which is follow us on Twitter. If you can, at Neuropancer, at Orbital underscore Tangent. We're on most major podcast networks. We still haven't figured out why that is, why they want something like this on there. But if you'd like to give us a like, a review, some five stars, whatever you'd like to do to really put the podcast out in the limelight. A lot of people have said that they don't listen to Slumscast, but... We could slowly start to change that tide. That would be fantastic. 
Special thanks to CTZ Cranked and Ranji Doge. Thanks for being on, guys. It was a pleasure. We really appreciate it. Specifically, you know, shout outs to Cranked, shit ins to CTZ, and Ian, I still don't even know who you are. Anyway, gentlemen, I'm going to turn it over to you. Here's the hot mic starting off with Ian, actually. You want to give some shout outs, brother? I want to start with CTZ. Your face is just so disgusted. What did you? What are you saying? What's in, what's what's crawling up the back of your throat? Spit it out. Who? You. Who? You. Who? Andrew. No, that's what I was thinking. I was saying who? Oh, oh, because me. Because you're doing a bit. Well, I'm taking a shit. And no, let me, me just say, the Snare Bears, I'll shout them out. They're great. Everybody running all the tournaments, the judges, and the tournament runner for APAC was incredible. Nisei's great, except for nothing not going to complain about Vance because I don't do that. And shout out everybody in Boswash. Shout out everybody in the whole world besides Sokka. Peace. Hey, Crank, what you got, homie? Um, I'm going to obviously shout out to username equals pants. Shout out the entire state of Wisconsin for just fucking being tight. Shit ins to Illinois. Shit ins to Brian Cronin for banning shout outs on the stream. Obviously, shout outs to Anti. Probably would have quit Netrunner <laughs> like when the game actually died if it wasn't for Anti. Shit, it's Denise for banning museum. Shout out to Culver's. That beef is fresh. And delicious. All right. A shout out to Cranked saying anti like anti because then it rhymes with hell. <laughs> shout out to Saturday because I just need a fucking break. Shout out to the stream. That shit is always going on. If you just want to tap into your inner weird or inner Taco Bell meta, or inner, you just want to fucking hang out and watch some weird ass roller coaster tycoon or Dark Soul or Netrunner or Tier List or Wikipedia or Excel charts or whatever. We got what you need on the stream. Shout out to OTG. This is the only thing that I've been looking forward to for the last like six months. I'm not actually kidding with any of that. And I would be fucking devastated if that was not happening. That is like a crucial part of like me moving forward as a human right now. Shout out to 2021. Shout out to science. Shit into uh, anyone that is refusing the vaccine for non-medical legitimate purposes. If your takes are anything other than that, I don't care for you at all because you clearly don't care about anyone else. Shout out to all those shit posters on JNet. You know, as much as playing online is miserable, you make the content worth it. And shout out to the people that maintain that website. The amount of progress we've seen in the last nine months on that little fucking web app developer website is fucking crazy. That's it. Shout out to your fucking mother because she is a nice person. That's it. Beautiful, beautiful. And so with that, we've reached the final, final end of the episode. If you have any questions, go ahead and direct them at those Twitter handles that I said earlier. We do have an email for the Slums cast, but we almost never check it. If you want to send a question there, you know, I mean, like, go ahead, but it's probably not going to go anywhere for quite a while. And if you have any concerns, well, then cut the feed. Screw this.
pressing acid the whole time. I remember getting a Facebook message from Aaron Andrews that night, like the night before KOS, and he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Redacted. He's like having a panic attack about his deck. Redacted. He's having a panic attack because... Redacted. He's having a panic attack. Redacted. It's not fucking acid. And I'm the weird dad, the weird Michael Bluth figure that has to keep the whole family together. <laughs> Redacted. 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 And then Aaron, the Versace Brick Syndicate. Imagine being a fly on the wall for that one. I'll role play as Aaron Andrews right now. <clears throat> All right, excuse me. Hey guys, well, 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 what do you think about this Pilata deck? It it does incidental net damage to try and try and disrupt the runner's <laughs> game plan. What are you guys doing? Oh no! That's exactly how that went. That's the whole team meeting because everyone else couldn't speak because of panic or drugs. I believe that that was the KOS where Andreas' runner deck, he was on APOC Val, and he had a grand total of zero ice res against him on the deck. Zero ice through Blackmail Recursion and APOCs and DDoS. That's fucking righteous. That's beautiful. That deck was so tight. All these words are making me sad. I wanted to play them. Whatever, out of the asses. All right. There was one one X out of the ashes in that deck. Of course. 